Welcome to BuildCast, where we delve into the backstories of experts and other players in the built environment to reveal their journey and how they got built. Join us in our conversation to learn from their life experiences, to be the catalyst for innovation, and to make sustainable building mainstream building. Now here is your host and the principal thinker at Build Tank Inc., Robbie Schwartz. Alpen High Performance Products is an American window and door manufacturer that designs and builds some of the most energy efficient window and door products in North America and the world. Alpen's core products draw on a 30 year plus history of industry leadership in advanced high performance window and glass manufacturing. They are an innovative company that has partnered with the Department of Energy, the National Renewable Energy Lab, and others to be a leader in bringing new technologies to market. Now, Craig Meyerhofer, Vice President of Business and Development at Alpen, our guest in this episode of the BuildCast, has not only a solid business background, but also a complete knowledge about the science and windows Alpen builds and sells. He was a wealth of information, and I think you will really enjoy our conversation. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, this is Robbie Schwarz, and today we have Craig Meyerhofer, who is the Vice President of Business Development at Alpen High Performance Products. How are you, Craig? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Robbie. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. I appreciate it. Um, so your title is Vice President of Business Development. Um, are you really... So my guess is that you're really much more involved on the business side than the product side. Uh, in terms of product development, yeah, I'm, I'm more involved on the business side. I basically oversee the commercial activity of the company and uh, the product development as part of a larger strategy to sort of grow um, our offerings, what makes sense for the company to evolve to. But um, generally, the day to day is is overseeing our sales operation. OK. Um, and Alpen um, high performance products. I'm not sure that everybody knows what what your company does. So why don't you give us an overview of your company? Sure, sure. It could be a little misleading with the high performance products, and and that was um, uh, that was on purpose um, when Brad Began, our our CEO, and and who, when he originally purchased the company back um, in 2006. Um, he had uh, he strived to make the company uh, a company that offers more than just windows and doors, to offer solutions that, um, as we, we he was seeing the evolution of high performance building and and what was going on in that space and um, the idea of windows being the main product that we were manufacturing at the time that he purchased the company, but um, other opportunities for products to sort of dovetail on with those fenestration products in the market. Thus, why he gave it the uh, what every marketer would cringe at the very long name of Alpen yeah. High Performance Products. But so to at this point, um, we manufacture uh, uh, four different window and door lines of windows. Um, so we started out with just one line, a fiberglass window, um, North American style outswing casement awning, um, passive house certified window. Uh, and that's a big part of what we do. We're in the passive house world. Probably two thirds of the projects we get involved with have some sort of a passive house element to them. And then uh, we launched a European style in swing tilt and turn type window, uh, best in class uh, profile with our glass. And uh, we started selling that into the marketplace as a passive house certified window as well. And over the last year or so, we have taken on two additional lines from that same extruder. And um, uh, one of them is, is the same sort of an in-swing tilt and turn window, but it's a, a little bit, it's kind of a drop product. It's not quite as beefy and as high performing as our Tyrol series. Uh, and then the other line is, is also a UPVC line. Uh, all three of those are a fiberglass reinforced UPVC. I shouldn't say the, the 4500 is, is just a UPVC line. But uh, the third one is, is called our Aspect Series, and that is an outswing North American style. So sort of a drop product to our fiberglass product, which is called the Zenith Series. So we have the Zenith Series, which was our first line, the Tyrol Series, which is a fiberglass reinforced UPVC profile. 
Uh, and then our 4500 series, which is a drop product to that and just a UPVC in swing. And then a again, a fiberglass reinforced UPVC outswing option. And we manufacture doors, swing doors and sliding doors in some of those series. Um, and then the fifth product now that we took on a couple of years ago uh, isn't a window really altogether, but it's called a secondary interior window. And we refer to that product as Winsert. So it's an insert window that goes inside of aging old buildings that have single pane glass and they need to be updated. Um, uh, there, there's a lot of pressure in terms of code, in terms of you know, what goes on in, in various cities and states and counties around the code that they're developing and making it more and more um, uh, higher hurdles for those buildings to have to reach from an energy score standpoint. And so they're trying to find ways to to increase the energy efficiency of those old buildings. And this is a perfect solution because the cost is roughly one tenth the cost of a, a window replacement, you know, yeah. on a skyscraper or a large building or school, what have you. Um, and the and the installation is is literally days to you know to put an entire building worth depending on the building size. So um, those are the products that we offer. The company itself has been around since uh, in different ownership iterations since 1981. Um, we were uh, Robert Clark was the founder of the company and he had his hand um, in the development of what some refer to as heat mirror. Uh, we call it suspended coated film or Alpen glass. Um, where we use a low E suspended film on the inside of the insulated glass unit, uh, which re which really acts as another pane of glass. And we can do two layers of that as well to have a quad glazed window. And so for many years, he was doing glass uh, up until the company was purchased by Brad Began in 2006. That's when we started manufacturing that fiberglass window line. We went through a short ownership span of about four and a half years by a company called Sirius Materials out of California. And then uh, they they tried to scale extremely quickly. Um, that was right in 2008. And uh, for those that have been around in the building products or building uh, uh, industry for a while, that was a very, very tough time to sort of enter the market. And subsequently they they went under and, and, and Brad then purchased the assets of Alpen back from that company, and we've been in full swing since then, and that was in 2012. Wow, that's a lot uh, that yeah. you just went over, and uh, we'll dive into a lot of that in more detail, I, I hope. Uh, but before we do that, I want to take—I uh, like to take a step back. I often do that, this in our conversations, and and talk more about you and um, how you got interested ultimately in Windows. It sounds like the business side is really what uh, got you to the Windows side. So tell us about your trajectory uh, in your career. Sure. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it was the business side uh, that got me um, to high performance Windows and this, right. this space of, of, you know, super energy efficient building products. Um, it was more the philosophy behind it. Um, I had... Uh, I had started working uh, as a salesperson and then ultimately on the purchasing side of the business for a metal processing and distribution company. And this this is back in the mid 90s. And um, I kind of worked my way up to that company, but the president of the company whose father had, had started the company, um, the president at the time was Brad Began, who is the owner and CEO here at Alpen. So I came to work for that company. Um, we had a mutual relationship and that's how I was introduced. And so I ended up staying at that company for 14 years. Um, the last eight or nine or so of those years being uh, as the vice president of procurement, of carbon purchasing is what it was referred to. And, um, you know, it was a fantastic company, did really well, um, very profitable, um, learned a lot about the business side and, you know, sort of the yin and yang of, of purchasing and sales and how they work together uh, in, 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 a, in a world where it's very, um, uh, the pricing levels are hyper competitive. You know, there's not a lot of differentiators. A lot of people buy from the same um, steel mills and that kind of thing. So it was really your service and the different offerings that you could do that made you stand out. Um, so I, I grew up with that company and working there, but I just got to the point where I really saw 
um, some development in the areas of, I, I just saw things happening with the earth and what was going on and the changes that were happening. Um, and I took an interest in trying to find a company that was more focused on doing good things, um, good things for Mother Earth, to be honest. I wanted to find a company that was profitable and did well and had a good business strategy, but also was focused on products that had an impact on the environment. That was important to me. So I met with several companies, um, a, a biodiesel company, actually two biodiesel companies that I was close to. Um, but what uh, I ended up not finding the right thing, and so I did end up taking a sales yeah. job uh, with Sprint Corporation. I was selling wireless solutions. It's a natural yeah. progression from metal, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was selling wireless solutions to Fortune 500 companies for uh, the Sprint Solutions Group. And I did that for three and a half years and it was a good eye opener. And that's during that time, I still continued to sort of meet with Brad as he had exited the metal business as well. And I knew he had purchased Alpen and um, we just would meet for breakfast every once in a while or get together for a beer and just chat about how things were going. And uh, I made it pretty clear to him that I, I, you know, really, really wanted to come back to work with him and loved what he was doing with Alpen and loved the idea of, super energy efficient windows and the impact that that could have on the built environment. Um, yeah. And so it dovetailed really nice into everything that I was trying to do. And eventually we just came to terms with an agreement to bring me on board as a partner. And I've just not looked back ever since that was a little over nine years ago. Great. Great. Um, so in that trajectory, it sounds like um, you were thinking about buildings and whatnot. Do you, does Alpen um, do much with regards to education uh, of employees and whatnot about the building science and how windows fit within the puzzle of building a, a home or a building? Yeah, you bet. Um, so our salespeople, I mean, they're involved. Most people that come to us, let's do, I mean, there's, we have a few different channels that we deal with. We have direct to homeowner sales where they're coming to us with their project and we're working with them as individuals. And we have builders and we have architects and you know those type of people that are focused on building these, these high performance homes. And then we have a, an extensive network of, of manufacturers, representatives and dealers that are out there as well that again are focused on this space. Not just, we're not just a window sales company. We're very focused on the high performance space, which maybe makes up you know five, six, 7% of the market. Um, it's, a, it's a very specialized area. And then we have our commercial team that are that are wholly focused on primarily multifamily, um, but in many cases, office buildings, uh, libraries, museums, um, these types of things as well. So everybody that is in this on the sales side of our business is has to be educated on on building science to a certain extent because they have to be able to converse back and forth with these wicked smart people uh, that do this for a living and, and you know, put together these, these um, very comprehensive plans of building a structure in a, in a high performance way where every detail is thought about and how, how we're going to do with air infiltration, how we're going to do with dealing with uh, solar heat gain and how it's going to be insulated and, you know, what, what sort of HVAC systems are going to be used and heat pumps and, and um, uh, ground, uh, uh, just different heating elements and solar and you, you, you name it. I mean, that's all part of the conversation and the windows are, are, you know, pieced together with that in, in the overall, um, in, in the overall mix of things. So they, they have to be educated on, on building science and, and we have, you know, plenty of reference materials, both internally with our company and also learning that they can go out and do. And we do things like we have uh, three of our salespeople that are passive house certified. One's passive house certified trades, per or two of them are certified tradesperson. Uh, the other one's certified passive house consultant. And they've gotten these certifications um, while they've been here at Alpen. Uh, it's a win-win for us because it just get, makes them, you know, much more educated in the area of passive house. And, you know, they get to carry that certification, which gives them some cachet in the market as well. So it's important. The education piece is very, very important. Yeah. Um, so I should uh, probably take this opportunity to give you a, a great shout out in, in two ways. Well, the first is a shout out 
thank you so much for what Alpin is doing with uh, the Marshall Fire uh, victims and uh, the programs that you've created to to make your product a little bit more affordable uh, for them. Yep. And then uh, just wanted to let our um, listeners know that I noticed on your website that uh, you actually have a sales opening uh, that you're currently recruiting for. So if we anybody are. listening is is interested, uh, they should yep. look on your website there. For sure, it's a residential direct sales position, and that's where we're seeing um, we, we're seeing significant growth in that area. And our commercial team has seen it as well. But we've we've filled out that team, um, and and they have hit the ground running. So, but we are in the hunt for a a good residential direct high performance window salesperson that uh, has good experience and wants to come work for a fun company. Yeah, cool. Uh, so speaking of that, you're located in La Lafayette. We're in beautiful Louisville, Louisville, Colorado. Yeah, just between okay. Denver and Boulder, right over the hill from Boulder. So okay. about ten minute drive there. Um, are the windows uh, manufactured there as well? They are. We have a sixty thousand square foot facility here. We moved here about three years ago during COVID, right in the middle of the summer of yeah. COVID. It was an interesting yeah. time to move. We moved out of Gun Barrel, the Gun Barrel area. Uh, which is just to the northeast of Boulder. Yeah. And uh, uh, so we've not quite maybe increased our overall capacity by or overall space by around 60 to 70%, somewhere in there. We were in a couple of different facilities at that time. We're now uh, combined everything under one roof. And um, yeah, all the, all the windows are fabricated here. All the glass is made here. Um, and that's that's the unique thing about Alpin that I will say is that we we manufacture all of our own insulated glass units. So many, you know, the big guys and a lot of other manufacturing outfits will buy out their glass units from Cardinal or somebody else, you know, that manufactures them. We do it in-house. We make, and that's what we've always done. Um, uh, because in 1981, when Robert started the company, that's all we did were glass units going into curtain wall systems and other people's framing systems. So we do all that here, and that's a unique thing. It gives us a lot of quality control. It gives us the ability to innovate and do different things. Um, suspended coated film is what we sort of cut our teeth on for many, many years. But now this rollout of ultra-thin glass has been a game changer for us as a company. Um, and, and thin glass is utilized in the center panes. One millimeter thick glass uh, still presents a very, very lightweight insulated glass unit but allows us to use a, a warm edge foam spacer, which has a much better performance than a metal spacer that has to be used with film. So we're finding that we can offer a thin triple insulated glass unit window for the same price as our heat mirror um, single film window, but the performance that we're getting of the overall window out of that thin glass because of that spacer system is significantly better, two, two to three U value points better and they're offered at the same price point. So as a result, that's become about 90% of what we're making here. So glass units, windows, soup to nuts, it's all done out there in that factory. And I would invite any of your listeners that want to come by and see it. Happy to show them around. Great. Um, so when you say you're you're manufacturing the glass unit, that that's the glass itself. You're you're melting the sand and putting. You're not. That's what we are not doing. So uh, that's a very very large operation. Um, we do buy our low E coated glass from Cardinal. Cardinal has a plant right up in Loveland, Colorado, which is about an hour from us. Um, okay. And that's uh, they're they're you know one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, float glass manufacturers in the country. And so we buy our racks of float glass in large sizes, and then we cut um, specific window custom sizes, uh, those glass sizes, out of those massive sheets on our cut tables back there. And then we put together glass and a spacer system and then the center pane or film and then another spacer and then glass on top of that okay. for a triple pane unit. Okay. Or we do it two times if we're doing a quad pane. And we do yeah. quad pane and film easily, but we also do quad pane with utilizing thin glass as well. Again, our aim yeah. is to be ultra lightweight, and ultra high performance. So the, the thin glass you're buying from Cardinal as well? We buy that right now from a company called Pilkington. Um, and we've done some work with Corning as well. Um, Corning is getting deep into this space also. Um, but, you know, several years ago, we had people come to us and talk to us about utilizing thin glass in lieu of film. The cost was just unapproachable. 
it just was way too high. But with the with the explosion of flat screen TVs and cell phones okay. and solar panels and a lot of things that are using thin glass, they've now come down to a price point that is really really attractive. Um, and we're able to you know sort of dovetail that into our manufacturing and still offer you know a price level that's consistent with what we've been offering in the past. But like I said, with that warm edge spacer, we get better performance. So we're we're inching inching up higher in the performance and making it attainable yeah. and graspable by by the general public. Okay. Um, and uh, how how thick is a normal pane of glass versus the the thin glass again? So it, as long as we don't get up above about 16 square feet, we'll use eighth inch glass, eighth inch low E coated glass. Um, once we get up above that, up to somewhere in the low 30s on square footage, we'll use three sixteenths inch, and then we'll go to quarter inch from there. Um, a lot of Europeans do uh, four, five, and six millimeter glass, um, but we go by the, we're not metric, we go by the, yeah. the, the inch standard. Yeah. Um, and and the thin is, um, I think you one said one millimeter. Okay. Yeah. One, one which point is, three. Exactly. Which is about an eighth of an inch, roughly? Not even an eighth of an inch. It's about, um, I don't have the direct conversion, um, yeah. but it's it's roughly four to, uh, you know, typical glass of three sixteenths is four to five times the thickness of our of our one millimeter glass. So. Okay. So the, the weight the weight is, is is a tremendous difference from a traditional triple pane unit where you're going to have three typically three sixteenths inch glass all three panes you know you're you're picking up so much weight value with that light yeah. light thin yeah. glass in the middle yeah um, and this is a, a strange question maybe but it seems like it would be really difficult to transport. Um, any glass from Cardinal or the thin glass from the other manufacturer uh, to your operation. So I'm kind of wondering how, how do you get the glass to yourself without breaking it all? Yeah. So they have specialized racks that they load up in their facility and then they have their own trucks. Um, so that facility for Cardinal, like I said, is an hour away. They, you know, we, we buy it. We're probably one of their largest customers here in Colorado. So um, they have racks that are just going back and forth. So they drop off racks full of glass. We take them into our facility. And then if we have empty racks, when they drop off those racks, they take the empties back. So they own the racks. They have their name all over them. But yeah. um, they let us keep the, the glass here on the racks uh, until it's empty. And then we just swap it out when the truck comes and drops off. And they're here several times a week. So OK, perfect. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that um, I've heard is a, a big issue with putting the the units together is the the thickness of the triple pane and quad pane um, glass unit uh, versus the frame thickness. That the frame that we really haven't changed the the frame thickness that receives those units. Um, is, is there a reason? why we haven't made that that the frame itself uh thicker well the, where it's where it's receiving it yeah i'm going to assume that you're referring to sort of the big guys with that that have been okay. making you know just crank out those double pane windows and have been doing so for 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 decades um okay they, they've invested uh, incredible amounts of money into their into their equipment and into their tooling um, and their frames are designed to be narrow frames to accept, you know, a three-quarter inch insulated glass unit. Um, mm -hmm. the, the narrowest that we go is seven-eighths of an inch, and we do very little there. Uh, predominantly, probably 75 to 80 percent of what we're making is an inch and three-eighths. So okay. when you're doing triple pane and quad pane units, um, you also, you get, I mean, you have to be able to kind of sandwich all of that in there, um, but but you also get better overall performance from insulation value and sound attenuation when you go with a wider insulated glass unit. So the framing systems that we've chosen to fabricate, are starting with our fiberglass frame system, are readily accepting of an inch and three-eighths insulated glass unit. In fact, they're ideally uh, built for that. 
and they can go narrower but out to inch and three-eighths on the fiberglass. With our UPVC product, we actually can go out to a two-inch insulated glass unit and have done so for certain um, STC uh, controlled project where they needed sound attenuation it was next to a train track or something like that. So uh, tremendous flexibility because it is a European uh, profile. It's manufactured in Germany or extruded in Germany. Um, that profile is, is if you look at windows in Germany, they're, they're miles ahead of where we are here. Um, they, the triple pane is common in, in Germany commonplace yeah. and so a lot of the framing systems most of the framing systems are built to accept a wider glass pocket uh, and so that dovetailed nicely into what we're doing in the high performance space here so um, every one of our framing systems can accept um, at least an inch and three-eighths if not up to two inches perfect okay um, so back back but, to but the I glass say that presents okay. a challenge it presents a challenge for those big guys because you know, they have invested so much money in those framing systems that can't go that wide. So, yeah. um, you know, and with changes that are happening, I mean, major changes to Energy Star that are taking place this fall, requiring a 0.22 U value in the northern climate zone, that's going to have a, a big impact on what the big guys, uh, how they're going to go about their yeah. approaching their business model. Yeah. So, sorry, just wanted to point that yeah, out. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, do you happen to know which, uh, where, which climate zone that starts in? Uh, energy I believe it's climate zone five. Yeah. Five or six. I can't remember which okay. one, but definitely in the northern zone, which is how yeah. Energy Star yeah. looks at it. They they don't necessarily look at it as one through seven, um, like yeah. we do in the passive house world, but they have the northern and the central and yeah. mountain. Yeah, yeah. Um <clears throat> well speaking of energy star, it's interesting that uh uh manufacturers seem to be having a difficult time enough uh, achieving the 0.27 requirement for um, U-value in climate zone five, uh, let alone going to a 0.22. So I think you're, yeah. you're spot on that. And they're trying to, it sounds, it seems like they're trying to put that triple pane or the, the third pane of glass in their narrow frame opening uh, and right. probably not getting as much benefit as, as you are. Correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, because the frame value, the, the side value of the frame is very important in the overall insulation value of your window. So, you know, it's not just about making great glass. You've got to have a really good insulated frame as well to get to that yeah. higher performance level and those lower U values. Yeah. Oh, the, so that comment kind of changes the trajectory of what I was going to ask, um, because the glass often manufacturers will talk about center of glass, um, mm -hmm. R value or U value, uh, versus uh, the NFRC that's looking at the the total unit uh, right. performance. Um, there's obviously a pretty big difference between the two. Uh, can you describe a little bit about the process of getting a window um, certified through the NFRC? Yeah, it's um, I, I don't have all the deep details, but but yeah. um, what I, what I'll tell you is general information around what NFRC is, the National Fenestration Ratings Council. It's a third-party certification organization that uh, any window manufacturer worth their salt here in the U.S. Uh, is part of that organization because it gives credence to the data. So it allows a manufacturer to have a third party say, your windows do what you say they're going to do. And so they have a way, they, they, you have to send in samples um, and they, they physically test samples. They also do modeling of, of your windows based on what the, the, the different uh, variances of, of manufacturing pieces that you're doing, your frame, your spacer, your glass, you know, different iterations of low E coatings and what have you. And then um, they, they verify and confirm that your windows do in fact hit those targeted performance levels that you say they do. And for doing that, you get a sticker and that sticker can go on that window. And, and that's the stamp of approval uh, that people in the field want to see that that has been third-party certified and, and it shows what the U-value is, shows the condensation resistance, um, it shows what the solar heat gain coefficient is, 
So it gives you really, really important data, and that sticker goes on every single window that goes out of here. So um, we, we spend a, a lot of money on certifications because we are very, very big believers in transparency of information. And so we want people to be able to access all of the information available about our windows. And so we put it on our, on our website. You can find it on the NFRC website, but it's all transparent and it's all there. Um, and we don't want to try to hide anything. Um, we, you know, we, oftentimes you see some windows that don't necessarily come from the U.S., uh, that make certain claims of what their what their performance is, but you just don't have a foundation a foundational piece of information to look at that shows a third party certification or shows that yes it's going to do what what it, what they say it's going to do. NFRC here in the U.S. gives that to you. Um, so when when we sell just glass units, which we did for many many years until 2006, and we still do today, um, that world only deals in the center of glass because there is no space for there is no way to sort of dictate what it's going to be as a whole window unit but for nfrc um, they do they take into consideration all of it and then your window is rated on what the whole window performs at not just the center of glass because the center of glass is always going to be higher yeah lower so, u value sorry lower u yes. value higher lower, r higher value yeah yes sir um what is the lowest u value window um, unit, total unit uh, that Alpen sells? I love that question because we happen to make the lowest, the two lowest U-value windows in the country. Um, our, our Zenith series, the, the, basically the, um, the U.S. government wanted to see somebody manufacture an R10 window by 2020, and mm -hmm. Department of Energy really dictated that, challenged manufacturers to try to get there. Alpen produced the first uh, our first um, R10 window in 2016, um, and so that's a 0.10 U factor. So you just divide that into one, and that's that the U value into one, and that's how you get your R value. We were on the cover of Window and Door magazine, said it's a 10, uh, yeah. and so it was uh, it was a, it was a good time to be at the company. And then uh, two years later, with our Tyrol series, um, we were able to put together a glass combination that got us down to a 0.09 U factor. Wow. So um, I don't know if anybody, I think there are some, I know there's some of the 0.13, there might be, there might be one or two at a 0.12, um, but to, to our knowledge and how we've scoured the database, nobody has gotten to a 0.10 or a 0.09. Um, yeah. So that's our, those are our two highest performing windows. Great. And it's, it's dependent on the size of the window. So um, what, what, is it a standard size window that's achieving that? Yeah, NFRC does a standard size of the window. I, I apologize like for not knowing five, the exact three by size. Five or something like that. I think it's yeah. a three by five um, or right in that range. And that's how they do the standardization of their measurements. Great, great. Okay, so um, let's go back to the, the components of, of, of the window. Uh, mm -hmm. You have the glass that largely is coming from Cardinal. Um, and you're you're buying that glass. They they are putting a low E coating on that glass that's arriving to you. Uh, yeah. Can you describe uh, for us what the low E coating uh, is doing on that glass and and kind of what it is? Yeah, it's a it's basically a deposit of very very fine metallic material. So they'll do one pass or two passes or three passes. I think they have a fourth pass now, not a product that we're buying. Um, with each pass, you're getting more reflectivity of solar heat gain. So as you as you raise up uh, in, in Cardinal's uh, different configurations of single pass, double pass, and triple pass, you're, you're lowering your solar heat gain that's being allowed to come into the structure. So let's say you have south or west facing windows and you don't have a big shading component. Um, and so you're getting pounded by that intense Colorado sun all afternoon. Well, a low solar heat gain option for your glass is going to be attractive to you uh, yeah. because you want to keep that room from just completely overheating, especially in the summertime. So if you don't have much of a shading strategy with overhangs or trees or deciduous trees, uh, then, then a low solar heat gain option is ideal for you in that situation. And so for that low solar heat gain option, you can employ a three-pass low E coated glass or combinations of low E on both the, the outer and inner light 
to control that solar heat gain. So we offer three different standard glazing configurations. We have a balanced configuration, which is a nice marriage of both. We have a high solar heat gain configuration, which is used commonly in passive house um, because you're trying to bring that warmth in, but you're using, sh using shading techniques so that in the, in the summertime when the sun is up high, you're getting shaded from the sun, but in the wintertime when the sun is low, you're harnessing the power of the sun. Yeah. Uh, and then a, a high solar heat gain works very well on north facing windows as well, brighter light. Um, and then we do an ultra low solar heat gain option as well. So depending on you know how the, the building is structured or the house is, is situated, we can actually what we call tune the, the structure and put different solar heat gain options on different elevations to maximize what you want to do and what your strategy is around utilizing the sun in that particular instance. Perfect. And the so it sounds like the low E coating is more for the solar heat gain coefficient and less uh, for the the overall U value. Yeah, it does. It, it it is mostly for solar heat gain. It does give you some some U value in terms of insulation as well. Um, we get insulation, additional insulation value from um, from the inert gas that goes on the inside of the IG, whether it's a, an argon okay. gas or a krypton gas. Okay, let's talk gas. about the gas in, in just a second. Um, yeah. So your main glass has a low E coating on it. The low E coating is always facing to the interior of the unit and your exterior and interior pane can have uh, a coating on it or multiple coatings on it. Um, when you put the thin film glass in in the unit, does it also have a low E coating on it? It does not. Not now. now they're, they're, they're working on that. Obviously, that's that's going to be a, a pot of gold to them when they can get when they can make that happen. Um, they've got some initial uh, initial I got an initial product out there, um, but it's a it's a hard coat. Um, so we call it soft coat low E is what we typically buy in, in the Cardinal 180, 272, 366. But they also do a hard coat and the hard coat can actually go on the surface, on the interior surface that faces the room. It's called I-89. Um, and that's actually, we had to utilize that surface to get to that R-10 window. Uh, okay. But generally speaking, we're using low, uh, uh, soft low E coats which can't be exposed. They have to be on the inside of that insulated glass unit, as you said. Okay. Uh, and then sometimes you switch out the thin film for a heat mirror film. Uh, yeah, the thin glass. The, the, the thin glass is just a clear, it's just a clear 1.3 millimeter glass. But the film is made by Eastman Chemical and there's a myriad of different films that you can do and they and they have low e coatings on them so there's a okay. low e deposited coating onto that film and that's why i say it really acts like a, a third or fourth pane of glass of low e coated glass but it weighs next to nothing so yeah. that's why we've always been known as a, a lightweight you know high performance glazing company because of that film and that evolution into thin glass made sense for us because we're still in that lightweight, high-performance space because the thin glass is so lightweight. Okay. So when we think of films, um, I think from a window perspective, we often think of maybe a, a tinted window yeah. that has the film adhered to the glass. Right. Uh, when you're talking about a film, I, I think you're talking about a, a really thin piece of in essence, plastic. It's a mylar. Um, mylar that's suspended between the panes of glass. Exactly. Is that, is that correct? Okay. Yeah. So if you think about it in terms of layers, you have your low E glass, and this is just how we build them out in the shop. You have your your first pane of low E glass, and then you have to use a metal spacer. So we use either mild steel or stainless steel, and so that gets laid down on top of the glass, and it has a sealant on both sides of the spacer. Then we lay the film over that spacer. Then another metal spacer goes on top of the film. And then your lap, your other pane of low E coated glass on top of that. And of course, okay. if you're making a quad unit, then you're going glass, spacer, film, spacer, film, spacer, glass. So it's 
when we, we put that all together and then there's a sealant all the way around a secondary sealant all the way around the outside of the IG that's a polyurethane and then that unit actually gets baked in an oven for two hours um, about two hours around 220 degrees and it, it has a shrinking effect on that film but because the film is anchored all the way around with that metal spacer that gives it you know gives it the ability to have that tension and not bend in like a, a foam spacer would um, it's, it stays in the oven and when it comes out you now have a tension on that film of about three and a half pounds per square inch and, and so you can't even tell it's there it's uh, it's okay. completely oblivious to the naked eye um, you just can't see it because it's clear and, and you see right through it but it, it's performing it's in there it's got those low E coatings on it and it's performing just as a, a soft low E coated pane of glass would perform okay yeah, you just answered two of my questions. One, it, it the film is actually flexible and probably sagging yeah. in that unit, so it's made taut, and it's That's not. Big. And the glass looking through it, it, you're not seeing a tint or anything. No, um, no. Now, if it's so the, you know if it's a heavy coating, if it's a heavy low E coating, the more low E coatings that you do, you're adding a slight shading effect to that glass unit. Yeah because it yeah. is physically depositing those tiny microscopic metal, that metal layer. Um, and, and so with each pass that you make, it gets just a touch darker. Yeah, but it's not, it, it, not like it's the low E coating, not, not the heat mirror that's doing that. Correct. And so what, what does heat mirror mean and what does it do? So it really does the exact same thing that a low E coated glass does. So it has a low E coating on the film, but the whole idea when it was created in the late 70s was the lightweight nature of it. It, it also gives you additional sound attenuation with sound having trouble transferring through that film. Um, uh, it, and, and, uh, and then UV protection, 99 plus percent UV protection from the film. And that has to do with the fact that they, you know, when they were developing the film, they can't have that film degrade in sunlight, right? So they, they, their manufacturing process, it's almost like you think of sunscreen um, yeah. integrated with film. They have to make sure that over many, many, many years, and we have projects from the 1980s that are still standing tall with heat mirror units in them, that that film doesn't degrade. So it has to be really, really strong uh, in, in sunlight conditions. And that's why you get such good UV protection on the inside of your house from that film because of the way that they have manufactured it. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, back to the spacer. So the spacer is one of the weak links uh, of the whole unit, uh, allowing thermal bridging through it and whatnot. Do you yeah. add anything with your triple pane or, or quad pane windows? Do you add anything to that, the metal to um, reduce the thermal bridging? We don't add anything to reduce the thermal bridging. Um, we do add a desiccant on the inside of the metal um, for moisture control. Um, okay. So when, you know, growing up manufacturing these heat mirror units, there is a sealant on the outside of the spacer that does uh, wet in with the glass. Um, and that's a polyisobutylene on, the, on both sides of the spacer. But um, with the metal spacer, you, you know, we were always somewhat hamstrung on the overall performance of the window because just as you said, there's going to be a certain amount of bridging that happens there. Um, now that we've moved to thin glass and it's predominantly what we're making, we don't have to use a metal spacer. Uh, we use what's called Super Spacers Premium and it's, it's almost like a foam material. It's got the sealant already um, applied to the sides of it, uh, and, and we get uh, a much better um, thermal bridging that uh, stops that thermal bridging because yeah. it's not metal, it's not a metal product. So that's why we're able to get such better U-value performance out of those units, simply okay. because that spacer is is not the weak link in that okay. particular window where the spacer is in, in, in a heat mirror unit. So is there a significant difference in performance uh, from the heat mirror, mirror to the thin glass? Yeah, absolutely. For a, That's what I was saying earlier, for a window that we make with a single uh, layer of heat mirror using a metal spacer, which we have to, 
um, compared to a single layer of thin glass, we're yeah. seeing the performance comparison in terms of U value, the thin glass unit perform window, I want to say, because it interacts with the frame. Yeah. The overall window performance on this thin glass unit is two to three U value points better, better. And we okay. offer both, but we offer both at the same price. Okay. So we get some, we get some scale and efficiencies with the manufacturing process through the thin glass. Okay. Perfect. Um, so next, um, I'm wondering more about the the introduction of gas uh, into mm -hmm. the assembly. Uh, what does what does argon and krypton uh, do for the windows, and how do you actually get it in there? Yeah. Um, so they're they're specifically there to add additional insulation value and lower the U factor of the window. Um, argon, if if we're if we're doing inch and three eighths uh, insulated glass units and a single pane of glass or film, we've got a bit of a wider pocket between the two glass panes on the outside and then the center pane. That's more ideal for argon. Argon needs a little more space to operate well. Whereas if you're tightening up that sandwich and you're doing a quad pane, or we're making the, one of those seven eighths inch insulated glass units now, but we're still doing triple pane, the space between the middle pane or the middle film and the outside glass units is much narrower. And that's where Krypton performs really, really well. Krypton is also much more expensive than Argon. Yeah. It didn't used to be, um, you know, it used to be Krypton was, 25 cents, 30 cents a liter kind of thing. Now we've seen, uh, we, we, we have a Krypton surcharge in place and have to because 475 a liter is sort of the going rate. We're, we're seeing some signs of some, hopefully some potential softening, but this has been going on for several years now uh, where Krypton is just, I mean, it adds, it adds a tremendous amount of cost into that window. Yeah. Um, and we couldn't just look the other way. It was, there was just no way it would put us out of business. So, yeah. um, but we, we still have people that want the very best and the highest performance and, and they want that Krypton in there because you know, you, when you're picking up an extra couple to three U value points from that gas, it means a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, where does Argon and Krypton come from? Is it manufactured or is it a naturally? Yeah, it's, um, there, there's a few places where Krypton. I don't know much about where argon is. I'm, a lot of them are off gas. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's an off gas from some other manufacturing element. Okay. For example, krypton. Um, you have these um, heat exchangers at steel mills. Oddly enough, your steel coming back into the conversation, yeah. and uh, they they're critical pieces that op help operate the steel mill that have to be in place uh, when you're running a mill. Well, one of the off gases from those heat exchangers is Krypton. So um, they're, they, they've got a capturing system, so they capture that Krypton and it's another revenue stream for them to sell Krypton um, to companies like Airgas and other companies that, that carry um, different types of gas products. Um, but uh, uh, we started to see um, a big acceleration of the pricing when uh, Mr. Musk uh, and started sending rockets up there uh, yeah quite often and he was he changed from using xenon in his thrusters to krypton he, he came up with a new design that would allow his engines to burn krypton uh, instead of xenon xenon's very very expensive gas and so he started buying up a lot of krypton and then krypton also started to get as you remember the the, the computer chip shortage that was happening uh, a yeah. couple of years ago well as they were increasing the number of clean rooms to make these computer chips um, Krypton is used pretty heavily in that particular process, and so they started buying on the open market. And uh, uh, we all know what happens when you get—it's a—it's an open market. It's buy-sell. Prices go up when there's more demand, and there was suddenly a lot more demand. Interesting. Uh, I've noticed uh, out in the field that the Alpen window uh, is delivered with a balloon hanging off of uh, a tube that I. Imagine goes right into that that airspace where the gas is. Yep. Um, can you describe why you do that? You bet. Uh, it's a very unique and proprietary system that uh, it's a gas retention and equalization system um, that we've used for decades. 
again, very transparent, third-party certification through an organization called NAMI. We have to send units every two, year for, every two years for dramatic uh, weather testing, um, accelerated weatherization testing to make sure that, um, that we maintain the proper gas levels inside of the insulated glass unit. When we're manufacturing windows at 5,000 feet, um, yeah. just for an example, uh, if you've ever driven up in the mountains with a bag of chips, like when you get up to your destination at Bale or Beaver Creek or whatever, you, wherever you're going, that bag of chips has expanded and it looks like it's about to pop. Same things happen. Th same thing happens with windows. Um, if you're driving up, you know, to, to eight, nine, ten thousand feet with that that hermetically sealed insulated glass unit inside of that window frame, well, it's gonna expand. It's gonna want to expand in that thinner air. So what was developed is it looks like a wire, but it's actually a very tiny breather tube that is that, that goes in, just peeks into the insulated glass unit and is sealed around the outside with a polyurethane. So we still we still hold that that hermetic seal inside of the glass unit, and then that comes out and connects um, is to a, a a balloon, a mylar balloon that's either empty or overfilled with argon or krypton, depending if we're going up or if we're going down. So you think of the balloon as a lung. That's sort of like a lung and it allows that insulated glass unit to breathe in and out, depending on whether you're going up or down. So we employ that system anytime that we're going up or down 1500 feet is sort of the okay. general runoff. Um, and the flat out reason is it works. Once that yeah. unit arrives to the job site and is gonna be installed, um, we like to do at least 24 hours, if not 72, if possible, for that unit to acclimate. And uh, and then we have a, a, a sticker, a written process um, that's right there on what you do with those balloons. You crimp them in three places, cut them, and then they tuck right underneath the glazing stop. Can't see it. It's easy to do. Yeah. It does take an extra minute for the installer, but it's worth it because you have glass that's not flat, performing well. It doesn't look concave. Um, and you know that the gas has been retained within there at a level that's going to be consistent with what you would expect for performance. Um, mm -hmm. We ship all over the country. We shipped to 46 out of 50 states last year. So we ship to sea level. Um, we ship windows up to Leadville, which is the, the highest incorporated city in, in the country at 10,500 feet, I believe, or somewhere around yeah. there. So, yeah. so we've seen our windows in all kinds of environments and, and and we don't have any problem shipping over the Continental Divide if we're going out west because we have a system that works for it. Other manufacturers, they'll ship with open breather tubes because there's no other way for them to, yeah. to deal with that equalization. And they don't want their units to just blow up as they're going yeah. up over the pass. And it's happened. It's literally yeah. happened. Yeah. So when you, when you take that window from Louisville to Leadville, uh, mm -hmm. about 5,000 feet in elevation gain, Right. Uh, the balloon should be expanding. I'm guessing when Correct. you get to Leadville and oh. you've let it, you've let the window acclimate. Do you um, compress the balloon with your hand to we get actually, gas? We actually put more more gas into the balloon when we're going up because okay. the the insulated glass unit wants to expand like this, right? Okay. The okay. glass so wants then. wants to bow out as we're going up. So it, it, that allows it to draw more gas into the unit as it's trying to bow ever so slightly. And then once you're up to the equalization, it can go back and forth with the balloon so that the glass can go back, and I'm exaggerating with my yes. hands, the glass can go back to flat. Uh, conversely, we leave it empty when we're going down because the window as you're going down to sea level wants to compress inward. And so that allows, the, you, the, the, as it's compressing, it's pushing that gas and that gas has a place to go into the balloon, lets it fill up. And then when you get to the job site, as that glass then acclimates and then straightens back out, it's drawing that gas back into the unit. So once you have a good equalization and acclimation point, then you don't have to push or do anything with the balloon. You, there, you just crimp that little tube in three spots with a crimping tool and then you snip it off. And now you, yeah. have, you still have a hermetically sealed IG and you have flat glass on both sides. Perfect. And your accelerated tests have demonstrated that the gas is inside the unit for right. how long? Forever? For 
Well, so I mean, typically uh, people ask that question and, and typically you, you're, you're going to see some, you know, a, a, some sort of escape of the glass over time. Um, it's estimated that you maybe see 1% per year. So, okay. um, you know, maybe in 20 years you've lost, you know, somewhere between 10 and 20% of that gas over a 20 year period, uh, but still, you know, maintaining uh, a, a, the, by and large the, you know, the, the yes. overall uh, percentage of it, um, yeah. but that's just just over time. There's there's no way to completely seal and make sure that none of that gas escapes whatsoever. Yeah, we try to do the best we can. I mean, we, we well, will, you're you're definitely doing way better than most manufacturers. That yeah. you have no idea if the if the gas is there when it comes to altitude. Yeah, uh, and we when we do that weatherization system. testing and send those units for testing off the NAMI, we send them with the balloons. And we send yeah. them without the balloons, so it's tested and certified both ways. So if we're keeping it here local. We've got we've got third-party testing that we maintain our gas levels um, without the balloons. And if we're sending up or down 1,500 feet, we have third-party testing showing that we maintain our gas levels in those environments as well. Great. Can you add gas to a unit uh, through that tube if uh, if you needed to? The only way you really would do it. So they're the they're they almost look like um, if you think of when you go to fill a soccer ball or a football, yeah. you have the needle, right? Um, yeah. So uh, they're a little bit bigger than that, um, that we use on our tanks of gas out here. And then those, those portals are sealed with the breather tube in there. So it's completely sealed and polyurethaned over. Um, the only way would be to peel back that polyurethane to where the port is and then put your gas in and then reseal that unit. So you'd have to pop the glass unit out of the window. You'd have to dig out the polyurethane to get to where the port is. You'd have to have the, the system with you, or unless you bring them back, you know, bring that unit yeah. into somewhere, refill it and then reseal it. It becomes really, um, it, it, it sounds it's like it's not complex thing. Well. It's not, yeah. it's just not something anybody ever does. Yeah. Yeah. Costs. Okay. So, um, Quickly before we end here, uh, the frame, all your frames are fiberglass composite frames? So again, the, the Zenith series is 100% pultruded fiberglass. Um, and then in our three uh, UPVC lines, two of the three are a fiberglass reinforced composite UPVC. And then one of those is it does not have a fiberglass element. It's just a UPVC composite okay and you've chosen uh those materials over wood or wood clad or metal i guess uh yeah because of why uh they're 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 better overall performers they're low maintenance um they're they are recyclable um you, you and, the, and they're just the, the the performance is just just so much easier to control i mean fiberglass you really can't find a better material to, to make a window out of than fiberglass. Yeah. It has a lot of the same elements as glass. So that expansion and the contra contraction that's always happening with a window, even throughout the day as the sun comes out and the sun goes down, let alone the seasons between summer and winter, especially in a place like Colorado where we have big, huge temperature differences, you're getting yeah. expansion and contraction, putting, you know, putting uh, effect on that seal between where the glass and the frame meet. Well, a fiberglass expands and contracts at a very similar rate to glass. So the two are working in tandem. So it's less stress on those seal points um, than, than uh, what you see with other products. Perfect. Um, and then most, uh, you have, I guess, two styles of uh, openings. Uh, one is a traditional casement type window you don't do a double hung single hung slider we actually do we, we do double hung single hungs and sliders in that fiberglass line um okay. in, the, in the other outswing line we just do casements and awnings and then for our in-swing style those are all in-swing tilt and turn windows like you see all over europe yeah. and then we do a hopper style window which is just kind of the inverse of an awning an awning opens up to the exterior like this Wow. And a hopper opens up to the interior like this. Okay. And I'm I'm guessing casement. I mean, with your passive house audience, the casement and the uh, tilt turn are probably the most popular uh, 
because of air tightness and for sure air infiltration is such a key attribute to a passive house and so you have to have a really good seal the yeah. the, the tilt and turn hardware is is uniquely known for that because multiple locking points you know throughout uh, uh throughout the window we're we're just on the verge of introducing um a new a, a new hardware system on our zenith series which gives us extra locking points on our casements which go around and over the top much like the tilt turn hardware does um, for for a casement window which is unique yeah. and hasn't been utilized really before in north america um, and we're always trying to push that envelope yeah no pun intended i yeah i've only uh uh, really been able to interact with one uh, brand of European style window uh, okay. in the States anyway. Um, and I found two things uh, kind of disappointing. One is that I didn't think it tilted enough into the house that the opening wasn't big enough uh, mm -hmm. to really improve ventilation. And two, when it swung, swung inwards, there was no way to stop the swing. Right. So it just swung all the way. Um, do because you're buying hardware from Europe. Um, is that true with uh, with your windows as well? So typically we, we we do have just an open swing on that window, but we have what's uh, I would call a clutch system. So oh, you perfect. can open the window and then turn the handle and engage the clutch so that the window will stay right where you have it opened to. And that's an option that we offer with our tilt turn windows. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. Well, you sure have given us a, a, a great lesson in, in window and your technology, I think, is, is way above. Um, I happened to meet um, a gentleman from NREL that works with you or the Department of Energy that works for you. Uh, can you give us any indication of kind of the any of the new technology that that you and the department of energy are, are working on with regards to windows well i would say certainly that when we when we first launched thin glass triples and quads um two and a half years ago that was an outcropping of uh, working with the department of energy and the gsa and nrel and what's called the green proving ground so um both that the the thin glass triples and thin glass quads um, actually just thin glass quads for that study. And then our Winsert product, we did concurrently at the same time. And the results of both of those studies can be found on the GSA website. If you search for quad pane windows, or if you search for Winsert, W-I-N-S-E-R-T, um, and you can see the results of those studies. And that has really blossomed into, now that's just so much of what we're manufacturing. The Winsert product is really taking off. It's a, it's, Kind of its own business model uh, because it's a little bit different than what we typically have done in the past um, but but like i said the the thin triples and the thin quads now are are probably close to 90 percent of what we're making 80 to 90 percent of what we're making and uh you know a lot of that came out of working closely with the department of energy who we have deep relationships with going all the way back to the early 80s um and and nrel and gsa um and we're, we continue to you know look at other options um, for example there's options for uh, uh, doing a lamination on that center pane of thin glass potentially um, there's different low e coatings that are being toyed around with with cardinal and other glass manufacturers um, corning is looking at uh, uh, we've, we've utilized and tested out their half millimeter thick glass um, wow. gorilla glass that you see on cell phones so we're and, and then we we there's a never-ending array of third parties that come to us to try to commercialize their technology whether it's um you know utilizing pv um integrated with a window system or um, various different coatings that that allow for shading to happen um, with electrochromic or even thermochromic as it heats up or cools off and the shading uh, activates um, so we're we're constantly being um, uh, spoken with by various different people that want to find a way to commercialize their technology and make fenestration better. And they know that you know we have a reputation for being innovators um, in the space and 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 doing it for four decades. Um, that we have we carry a little bit of that cachet in in, in the industry and, and brings people to us to 
and, and we're open to that. We're open to talking to them. We can't talk to all of them because we do have a business to run at the end of the day. Um, uh, but we, we, we've partnered with many, many different other third parties to help, you know, try to expand what the offering can be out there for consumers. Well, Craig, I, uh, it was a wonderful conversation and I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much there, for Robbie. giving us a great education. Uh, and we, I hope to see you in person sometime. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. And thanks for all your listeners. And uh, we're, we're here and open anytime. Anybody wants to come by, I'm happy to greet them myself and show them the plant. We'd love to have visitors here. So really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, and I guess I should just uh, point out it's Alpen Windows or Alpen High Performance, not Alpen. So it's yep. A-L-P-E-N if you're looking for it. And we'll put a, a link in the show notes there for people. Thank you for listening to this episode of BuildCast, brought to you by BuildTank, Inc. To see show notes and learn more about our guests and other episodes, visit the BuildCast page of our website at www.btankinc.com. Thank you, Ben Sound, for our music and to Ashley Owen for editing it. And you, for your encouragement and guidance in the creation of BuildCast. You can listen to BuildCast on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite platform. If you enjoyed our show and are willing, please take a moment to subscribe and review BuildCast, which will help others find it more easily. Thanks again for listening, and please let us know who you would like to hear next and if you have any suggestions to make BuildCast better. Until next time, be safe and continue to think 0 to 360.